I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my wife, Karen. Welcome to the Marriage Today podcast. We exist to help every single couple thrive in marriage. And today we're talking about the right one. We're actually talking about when you're preparing to get married. Now, you may already be married, but you may know, know someone who's getting married, maybe a friend, maybe uh, you know a child or something like that. Wonderful gift to give them is the book, The Right One, that I wrote along with Frank Martin. But Karen, we're going to talk about this. We're going to go into a teaching here in just a minute where I'm teaching about The Right One, but we have some questions from viewers. Yes. Um, she asks, I see the title of your book is The Right One. Is there really, oh, he asks, is there really only one woman for me and how do I find her? I am looking. I don't think there's only one person, mm -hmm. you know, in a world full of 8 billion people. <laughs> I just don't think there's, you know. Yeah. But for example, if uh, if your parents, if you're in high school and your parents moved from Texas to Florida, mm -hmm. I don't think that if you're girls in Texas, you have to go back and get her. I think that there are uh, guidelines. Mm -hmm. First of all, the Bible says don't marry an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, so if you're dating a believer, the second thing is, do you share the same values? Mm -hmm. Is that person, are you attracted to that person? You know, are you willing to commit to the person? The How much do you have in common? Uh, I was talking recently to a, a woman, and it was she's a Hispanic, and she was mm -hmm. dating a white guy. And, uh, and she was asking about interracial marriages. And I said, there's nothing at all wrong. Mm -hmm. with people marrying within their races, mm -hmm. among races. I said, the issue is culture. Is if you're marrying a person who is a different race, who cares? But culturally, because mm -hmm. sometimes you'll have one, the cultures that clash. And the question is, who wins? Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're marrying someone that you're compatible with and you come, kind of came from the same age group, you come from the same culture, the same value system, mm -hmm. great. I don't think there's just one person. I do think, though, that there are is a wrong type of person, an unbeliever, someone that doesn't share your culture, mm -hmm. someone that doesn't share your values, your your Christian beliefs and things like that. So I think that and a lot of people are online dating today, which is great. Uh, but when you're online dating, you have to work about three times harder to make sure that you're really getting to know the real person. Well, and his question makes me kind of wonder, though, because— is there really only one? It's like he's asking the question, what if I don't like the one I do pick? <laughs> Can I go to another one? Well, I don't think it's like going to the grocery store. No. I think that it's, it's a lifelong commitment. <laughs> but see, the purpose of dating is to see a person's character. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think the purpose of dating is to see how good a person is in bed. Right. And they become too sexual too mm -hmm. soon. It ruins everything. And then, then sex becomes the answer to everything rather mm -hmm. than talking and deepening the relationship. This is especially true of men. The purpose of, of dating, you want to be intentional about it. And we talk about intentional dating in here. The intent is to get married. And so we're going to have deep, thorough conversations. Mm -hmm. In the book, The Right One will help you to have the right conversations. It also helps you to know red flags. If there's something that happens, it's just like, I don't want to, you know, this isn't the right one. <laughs> but I don't think there's just one one person in the world for any of us, but I think there's the right type of person mm -hmm. that we need to be looking for. Okay, let me read this for you. What issues do you think are essential for a couple to discuss together when they are dating? I am considering getting more serious with a man and would like your advice. Well, I think the you know, first thing that I would say, because you, you used to this in other shows, is where are they spiritually? Because, you know, what we do is based out of the Bible. And so to us, you and I, what we would teach anybody is, you know, what what Absolutely. is your foundation with God? Absolutely. I mean— and I always like to tell women, if if your husband's not, if the man you're dating is not, 
becoming in love with the Lord or is not in love with the Lord, then I would question it. Because having a husband that is that knows God and is strong in his faith is everything, yeah. and and vice versa. But um, and and I mean those that's the foundation. You know, what's their walk with? And I have a friend that. Her boyfriend says he's a Christian, but he's not acting like one. So it's like, okay, is he just saying that just to, you know, appease her? Because, you know, it's the quote, you know, yeah, of course I'm a Christian because I went to church. But, you know, I would just make sure that was the most important, you know, thing. And then Absolutely. after that, you know, how many kids do you want to have? You know, which church are we going to go to? I mean, uh, financially, are we going to agree on finances and communication? You know, when we communicate and have conflict, how do we deal with it? All those are really important. Are you both going to work? Mm-hmm. You know, and what are the expectations as far as housework? And yeah. Well, that's good, Karen. Especially, you know, you, you're talking about spirituality. And this is what I say. The only the only people who marry outside of their faith are people whose faith isn't important to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've seen people that, that uh, a believer marries an unbeliever. I've never met a person who didn't regret it, mm-hmm. ever. And so I agree with you that I think the most important thing is to talk about spirituality. Um, but then I had a I had a couple uh, in counseling one time, pre-marriage counseling. He was Catholic and she was Protestant. She went to our church. And I said, so what church are you going to raise your children in? And he said, oh, oh, mine. They'll be raised Catholic. And she said, over my dead body. She said, they'll be raised in this church. They split up in my office. Mm-hmm. But that one question caused them to split up and they really liked each other. They thought they were compatible, but there are the kind of linchpin questions that you can ask. And this book helps you to ask the right questions. So we hope that this is helpful to you. We're going to go now to the teaching. I'm talking about the right one. And by the way, if you're uh, listening to this on Spotify or on Apple or even on YouTube, subscribe, uh, leave us a comment, but we would love for you to subscribe. But here is the teaching on the right one. And after several years of marriage, we were on the brink of divorce. And um, my wife was a praying woman. And um, we almost, I told Karen to get out of the house one night. And I won't give you all the details because I want to get into a little different message for you. But God miraculously saved our marriage. But I want to tell you something, that you can find the right one and you can have the marriage of your dreams. Many of your friends and many of the people that you know are fearful of marriage because of what's happening in our society. So does marriage uh, still work anymore? Let me listen to my answer. Absolutely 100% of the time. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You can make it in marriage. God made marriage and God never makes anything to fail. Everything that God makes, he makes perfect and he made marriage perfect. And you were made for marriage. The God that made marriage made you for marriage. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. And you say, well, Jimmy, then how, why are so many people failing in marriage? Because they're not doing it God's way. They're doing it another way. Let me, let me just give you several, several issues here of things that people are doing that are causing their marriages to fail. Number one, they don't trust Jesus to meet their deepest needs. See, no, no human being can meet your deepest needs. All of us have four primary needs in our lives that no person can meet. Acceptance. Identity, security, and purpose. When you woke up this morning, that was what was driving you. I want to be accepted, but I don't want to have to perform for it. So do you realize that most people like us based on what they don't know? 
Did you know if everybody knew everything about us, they might not like us anymore? But did you know that Jesus knows everything you've ever done or will do, and he loves you more than anybody else? That's what you call acceptance. Doesn't matter how bright your teeth are. Doesn't matter how good your deodorant's working. Jesus loves you all the time. But people are very conditional. Did you ever notice that? People are different in the way that they love. But I want you to know that you have a, a friend in heaven. On your worst day, he's your best friend. And he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Somebody say amen. amen. God is our best friend. That's what you call acceptance. Identity. He made me in my mother's womb. Did you know the Bible says that to he who overcomes, when you get to heaven, God's going to give you a stone with your real name on it? Did you know that only God knows who you really are? A week after, I, a week after Karen and I got married, the Lord called me to preach. And I was sitting in the backyard of our house reading, I think, a book by Billy Graham. I don't even remember. Uh, I didn't know one scripture in the Bible. And I saw a sheet drop down in front of my face. And I saw myself from behind preaching to a multitude of people at 19 years old. There had never been a millisecond in my life I thought of myself as a preacher. Two weeks earlier, I was a very immoral, lost person. And Jesus came to me and said, let me tell you who you really are. People can't tell you who you are. Only Je Jesus made you in your mother's womb. Security. I'm only secure in God. I, I can't be secure in anything other than God. God can protect me from anything and anyone. My security is in God and purpose. I don't want to live to make money. I don't want to live to be popular. I want to live to change the world for Jesus. I want an eternal purpose. You know, a lot of people that kill themselves, they just can't find a reason to live any longer. They get discouraged, they get depressed, and they just, they, they can't find a reason to get out of bed and, and live anymore. Let me tell you something. When you live for Jesus Christ and when you live for the kingdom of God, you'll always have a reason to get up the next day. My purpose is not just for myself. My purpose is not just to make money. My purpose is not to be well-liked. My purpose is to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is an eternal purpose. And that's a big purpose. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And if you don't trust Jesus to do that, you're going to trust people to do it. It's called the principle of transference. And every time you try to get a person to meet those needs, you'll ruin that relationship. So listen to what I'm saying. Your daily, personal, trusting, dependent relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important issue in you being a good spouse for someone sometime. When you get married, that person can't meet your deepest needs. And if you expect them to, the, the relationship is set up for uh, d disappointment, disaster from the very beginning. So you were made for marriage, but God has to be in the center of that marriage. And I'm not talking about just having a Christian marriage. I'm talking about you've got to pray. You've got to depend on Jesus. And so a lot of people, a lot of Christian people, they don't depend on Jesus. I want you to make me feel secure. I want you to make me feel like somebody. I want you to accept me. And they get into these fights of you're not meeting my needs. Well, there are needs in marriage that we meet for each other, but not the deepest ones. Only Jesus Christ can meet our deepest needs. So if you want to be the right one for someone Later in life, you need to have a relationship with Jesus, a real relationship with Jesus. And listen, one of the red flags, and we talk about red flags in the book here and how to know the wrong one. But one of the red flags in relationships is when someone puts too much pressure on you. Marriage is a covenant relationship. And we've largely lost the concept of covenant in our society. Well, listen to me. Covenant means to cut. 
You don't make a covenant, you cut a covenant. And remember, when God made marriage, he cut Adam. See, God made, God made Adam out of the dust. Why didn't he make Eve out of the dust? But he cut Adam. Because covenant is a sacrificial, permanent relationship. It's sacrificial and it's permanent. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you make covenant, there has to be blood. There has to be a sacrifice. So it's a sacrificial, permanent relationship. In our society, we've turned marriage into a contract. Let me tell you the difference between a contract and a covenant. A covenant is a sacrificial, permanent relationship that I am going to surrender rights and assume responsibilities. A contract is a superficial, temporary relationship where I'm gonna protect my rights and limit my responsibilities. And so uh, uh, God says on day one of our relationship with him, Hebrews 13, five, on day one of our relationship with God, here's what God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Let me tell you what those words mean. I'll never leave means I'll never physically leave, I'll never forsake means in all of eternity, God will never turn his heart away from you. Day one. God does not say, I'm going to see how good of a Christian you are. And if you're a really good Christian, I'm going to make you some really neat promises. On day one, God says, I'm all in. And I'll never change. And I'll never physically leave you. And I'll never turn my heart away from you. Whatever you do, whatever happens in our relationship, I'm all in day one. A contract relationship says this. Well, let me say it this way. When a couple, when a couple gets married in a covenant relationship, here's what they say, for better or for worse for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, till death to his part. That's covenant language. And covenant language says, there's gonna be tough times, I'm all in. I'm here to stay. And so you're gonna go through tough times in every relationship. And the only commitment that can keep you together is a covenant commitment. But here, here's a contract, living together. A lot of people today are living together. What's wrong with living together? 100% contract mentality. And here's what contract says. Well, I don't, I'm not really ready to commit. Let's just move in. Let's just start living together and kind of play house. I want to see how good you are at taking care of me before I commit. And even after we get married, I may change my mind and a better model may come along. So when you're in a relationship with a person and they want a contract, see, in relationships, you get what you pay for. And if you want the cheapest most fragile form of relationship, enter into a contract relationship. It's all about me. I don't want to sacrifice much. I don't want to lose my rights and I don't want too much responsibility on me. I want to limit my responsibilities and I want to protect my rights. Covenant says I'm all in and I know it's going to hurt. I'm ready for poor. I'm ready for sicker. I'm ready for worse. I'm ready for anything, and the only thing that's going to separate us is death. Not murder, death. <laughs> Number three reason that marriages fail is because people break the laws of marriage. Um, the, the laws of marriage are in Genesis chapter 2. I had no idea that there were laws of marriage. And by the way, laws create order. I'm a pilot. I fly a plane. And there are laws of aerodynamics. It creates order. There's, there's no chance a plane's just going to fall out of the air. If you follow the laws of aerodynamics, flying is the safest form of transportation. Marriage is the safest relationship on earth. Today, with all of its warts, you cannot find a relationship on earth today that is safer than marriage. 
And when you do it God's way, it's 100% safe because they're laws. Well, where are the laws? Genesis 2, 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. Well, I had no idea that those were the laws of marriage. But when God created marriage, this is right after God created Adam and Eve, this is what God said. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, the law of priority. The marriage is, has to be first. Okay. For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. Your father and mother are the most important relationship in your life. Well, when Karen and I got married, I golfed. And when I would come home, and I was a very good golfer. And when I came home from playing golf, Karen would resent it because I golfed all the time. Well, my marriage wasn't first. I was breaking the law of priority and it almost destroyed our relationship. Listen, marriage has to come before children. Marriage has to come before parents. Marriage has to come before church. Marriage has to come before friends. Marriage has to be first. It's the first law of marriage. Law number two, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Well, the word cleave doesn't make sense in our language, but it means to pursue with all of your energy. We're commanded in Deuteronomy five times to cleave unto the Lord our God. Marriage is work. You have to work at marriage. A lot of people think, well, if I marry my perfect soulmate, then I'm just going to wake up every day and hallelujah. Here it's good. It's... I just feel so good. Oh, I don't have to work at this relationship because I found my soulmate. We matched in all 1,300 categories. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You marry your perfect soulmate, you're going to have to work at that relationship. It's like anything else in life. In what area of life would you want to give something no energy and expect us to see? There's no other area that we apply that principle to except for marriage. And so I'm saying marriage is work, but it's great work. When you work at your marriage, marriage thrives. And by the way, the reason that you fall in love is you work at it. You knock yourself out. You know, you smell good. You look good. You, you know, pay attention to what you're saying. You pursue each other and you fall in love. How do you fall out of love? You just give up, take each other for granted. Stop working at it. And, and there are a lot of people, honestly, they think there's something wrong if they have to work at their marriage. Marriage is work. God said it from the very beginning. God says that, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave it to his wife. They too shall become one flesh. Marriage is about sharing everything. It's called the law of possession. When you get married, you share everything with your spouse. Of course, I was selfish and I was dominant. Dominance destroys the spirit of relationship because dominance says I'm not sharing, I'm in control. I will not share myself with you. I will not share uh, decisions and ideas with you. Karen and I never talk about who the head of our home is because Jesus Christ is the head of our home. And every single decision we make in our marriage, we make together and we don't bully each other and we don't make each other pay a price for telling the truth. We sit down, we talk, we pray, and every, every significant decision we make, we make together and we're one. There's not one decision in our home or in our family or in our lives, not one decision that we didn't make together, any significant decision. So we're not divided, we're together. And that's the way that God made marriage. Selfish people cannot succeed in marriage because selfish people will not share. And selfish people don't want to cooperate. They want, to, they want their own way. The number four law, it says the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. It's the law of purity. God made uh, Adam and Eve completely exposed to each other, uh, physically, but also mentally, emotionally, until they sinned. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they could no longer be intimate, but they began to hide themselves behind fig leaves. And here's the principle. If we're careful in how we behave and we take responsibility for our issues, 
we can be intimate without fear. But when we begin to hurt each other and sin against each other and don't take responsibility, it's just too sensitive. I cannot open my heart to a person who's not careful. And I won't open my heart to you because the things that you say and do and you don't take responsibility for it. I was not a good husband. I was verbally abusive. I was dominant. And Karen completely shut down on me. And when I changed and I repented and I began to be different, Karen began to open up. We, she, Karen said something to me one time when I changed. And I hung up my golf clubs. I stopped golfing. I started being a better husband. And Karen said something to me one day. And I said, how long have you been thinking that? She said, years. And I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, I couldn't. I was not her safe place. You should be your spouse's safe place. You should be the safest place in the world for your spouse to be able to share it. But if they can only do that if you're careful and if you take responsibility for your issues. Okay, so that's, that's my first question. Does marriage work anymore? Absolutely, but Jesus has to be first. It has to be a covenant relationship and you have to obey the laws of God. And what I just told you there in the last 15 minutes, that's 90% of what it takes to succeed in marriage. You don't have to fear marriage. Marriage is the most secure relationship on earth, but it works God's way. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.